Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 547 for the 18th of June, 2017. This week, sometimes panic serves a good purpose. For me, it's one of the reasons that I keep backups of backups of backups, so that when something goes wrong, I can panic just a little. Adobe Stock has been an outstanding resource for professionals, but now the company is making it easier to use and making it available to users of Microsoft PowerPoint. In short circuits, Windows XP is no longer a supported operating system, but Microsoft has resumed security updates, at least for now. More malware is being aimed at users of the Mac OS, so be careful even if you own a Mac. And in spare parts, only on the website, security and ease of use. JD Power says their survey shows we want both, even though they're generally considered to be opposites. Microsoft is proudly promoting its new Xbox One X, even though it won't be available to buy until November. I call this segment the importance of panic. Maybe not exactly panic, maybe just extreme caution. I have a pretty good backup system, but still I always worry a lot when a disk drive problem pokes its ugly head around the corner. One did that this week. The smart monitor started raising caution flags. No warnings of imminent failure, but making me aware that there was trouble in the future. Sometime in the future, some unknowable time. Mild panic ensued. The disk with the problem was a 2-terabyte Seagate drive, a brand that I've had more trouble with than expected over the past few years. A similar drive purchased at the same time had failed late last year, and another 2-terabyte Seagate drive had failed earlier. I've been replacing them with Western Digital Black drives, so I ordered a replacement. The failing physical drive housed two logical drives, and perhaps I should mention that one of them, Drive E, holds all production website data, graphics files, and a lot of desktop publishing files, all really important stuff. That added a bit to the feeling of panic. The other drive, G, holds family videos, all software that I've downloaded, template files for the TechBiter podcast, and various PDF versions of manuals. More mild panic. Now, never mind that every file on both drives is backed up to crash plan online. Never mind that the critical files are backed up to a local network-attached storage drive. Never mind that both drives were also fully backed up to external USB drives. And never mind that to lose files, the internal hard drive would have to fail, not just warn about coming problems, that the network-attached storage drive would have to fail, that crash plan would need to go out of business, and that my external USB backup drives would have to fail, all at the same time. But panic isn't logical. After all, it's panic. When the new drive arrived, I confirmed that both drives E and G had completely current backups on the external USB drives. CrashPlan had reported 100% completion earlier in the day. I didn't check the network-attached storage drive, 
And, of course, both drives were still fully readable so that I could attach the old drive to the computer and restore from there if I had to. Still, there was sufficient space on drive I to create two directories, one called temp-e and the other temp-g. So before removing the old drive from its bay, I backed up every file to the appropriate directory on drive I. After removing the Seagate drive and installing the Western Digital drive, I restarted the computer and used the Windows Disk Management Console to initialize the physical drive, create a partition for each of the drives, and format them. All that remained was copying all of the files back from the special directories on drive I to their rightful places on E and G. Well, you know, as somebody once said, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they aren't out to get you. Sometimes a bit of panic goes a long way toward keeping data safe. Adobe stock is moving forward on several fronts, one of them somewhat surprising given the service's concentration to date on providing stock images for users of Creative Cloud, which limited its appeal to professionals. In addition to providing an entire new class of images, Adobe stock is enhancing its search function and providing access to office workers via a Microsoft PowerPoint plugin. For professionals, there are two significant changes the introduction of editorial images, and improvements to search. Stock photographs are best described as being of no particular person in no particular place at no particular time. The images are generic. Editorial images are the exact opposite. They illustrate a specific person or event at a specific time in a specific location. Writers and designers need both. Stock images are well-suited to advertising and general illustrations in articles, while editorial images are essential for news accounts. Adobe Stock has a large and growing collection of generic images that range in price from a few dollars to a few hundred dollars, depending on the quality, resolution, size, and intended use of the image. Now, in a single move, Adobe will make available 12 million photographs and motion picture images dating back 100 years from the Reuters news agency. New images will be added every day. The additional images carry a considerably higher price tag, $50 to $500, depending on quality and resolution. Additionally, images from USA Today Sports will be added, and Adobe says that discussions are ongoing with other providers of editorial images. The other significant enhancement for professionals is a more visual approach to searching for images, coupled with some powerful filtering options. You'll see an example image on the TechBiter Worldwide website that shows one of the filtering options. Once your search has returned a selection of files, you can further refine the search by specifying whether you'd like the image to have a deep or shallow depth of field. Adobe Stock Vice President Claude Alexander described a problem that is common to visual communicators, the need for both quality and speed. With these in advertising, communications, there's that need for high visual impact. At the same time, there's increased content velocity, which means that through digitization and social media, we're consuming, producing, and using images and imagery in general at a staggering pace and volume. Designers and illustrators have found current search functions to be both cumbersome and slow because they must describe the image they're seeking. Search is their main gripe with stock. 
one told me once, you know, search, it's like doing the dishes. Um, at Adobe, we know that we can apply to billions of click data and 12 years of history of being in that business. The Adobe technology, which is 30 years of digital image science, and Adobe Sensei or machine learning and AI framework to make search totally different and much more intuitive, fluid, and efficient for our customers. Machine learning, which Adobe calls Sensei, will make it possible for illustrators to upload an image and then seek similar images. And what we're trying to do is replace as much as we can searching with words by searching more naturally and more intuitively. Uh, because it's difficult with words to describe emotions or feelings and what you're looking for. So together with Visual Search that we launched at Max last year, the, the aim is still to help creatives find what they need by making search more intuitive, more visual, and less keyword-based. Adobe Stock Principal Product Manager Gordon Lyon talked about the beauty and the challenge of Sensei and a search based solely on words. The number one pain point for individuals is not how many images do you have, it's how do I get to that one image that I really need. So if I, if I let's say I'm a, I'm a winemaker and I'm building my website here, uh, and I'm looking for something particular, I can type in wine and sure, I can get a page full of great images. But where Adobe Sensei really comes in is when you dial down, you go down to page 100, and I'm 10,000 images into this search, and I'm still seeing high-quality, highly relevant results. That's Adobe Sensei at work. 10,000 images deep. Who would have time to look through all those images? There must be a better way. And as it turns out, there is. The first of a series of new filters that we're going to be using based on the image aesthetics. Another filter that's in beta test allows the user to specify images that are more or less colorful. For a given use, you might want images that tend more toward monochrome or very highly colorful pictures. But maybe the most exciting part of what Adobe has announced is the ability for Microsoft PowerPoint users to access high-quality images for use in their presentations. It's exciting for Adobe because it gives millions of users access to images they can buy it's equally exciting for users because most clip art collections are outdated, of low quality, or trite, and often all three. Although an office manager might not be willing to sign up a secretary or an assistant for a Creative Cloud membership, that same office manager might be willing to spend a few dollars to improve some of the organization's PowerPoint presentations. Adobe Stock Principal Product Manager Gordon Lyon describes the reasoning behind the decision to make stock images available to users of PowerPoint. We don't feel that it's fair to save all of this Adobe magic just for the creative professionals because we know that there are millions of people out there who just need to make a PowerPoint presentation. Since a search technology works in the PowerPoint plugin too, as Lyon described. With a single click, I can install the new Adobe Stock add-in for PowerPoint. And here, I can start by easily either browsing through a series of collections of really top-level images. For instance, uh, food might be applicable for me here because I'm dealing with wine. There's an image I really like. So I'm going to do something that you can't do with other Microsoft PowerPoint add-ins. I'm going to select a photo that I already have. Now, I like this photo a lot. Uh, unfortunately, I've already used it elsewhere in my presentation. So I want something that's similar to this, that has the same 
look and feel that's going to go with my presentation, but I can't use this. So usually I would have to go in and start typing two glasses, red, white, wood, pouring. It's a horrible way for me to have to, as a visual person, to have to type and tell you what I'm looking for. I would much rather just show you what I'm looking for. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to click open. And Adobe Sensei is going to upload this image, analyze it, not just for content, but for color palette, for atmosphere, and all the other aesthetic qualities that make these images go together. And now I've got hundreds of images that I can pick from that are all very similar. PowerPoint is a visual medium. Bullet points get in the way. Large blocks of text are death to communication because people simply cannot read words on a screen, listen to someone speak, and comprehend both. Usually, what happens is both the words on the screen and the presenter's words are lost. The reason is simple enough. The same part of the brain is used to process written words and spoken words. It can do one or the other, not both. As my friend Rick Altman writes in Why Most PowerPoint Presentations Suck and How You Can Make Them Better, we identify four legitimate reasons why well-intentioned content creators feel compelled to overload their slides with text. Some are easy to resolve, others not so easy. And in all cases, the text creates one of the most insidious barriers to a presenter being able to connect with his or her audience. You can learn more about the book on betterpresenting.com. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. If you must use bullet points, at least make them short and couple them with a compelling graphic. The graphic sets the tone and the context while the presenter's words provide the content. Now, I know there are some people who will react by arguing that distributing a PowerPoint deck without its words ruins it as a takeaway for attendees. Actually, no, it doesn't. The PowerPoint deck was never meant to be a takeaway for users and has always been useless for that purpose. If you want to provide something for attendees to take home, then create something specifically intended for users to take home and use later. So, to get back to Adobe's announcement, Presenters will now have access to high-quality, relevant images, and using new search capabilities available from within PowerPoint, they'll be able to identify, license, and download those images easily. In short circuits, despite the fact that Windows XP no longer qualifies for any support from Microsoft, the company has once again issued security patches for machines that still use it. The second set of XP patches since the WannaCry attack that crippled hundreds of thousands of computers, most of them on Windows 7, was issued as part of the standard monthly patch release. Microsoft said the patches are in response to what it called an elevated risk for destructive cyber attacks. Microsoft cautioned users of the obsolete operating system that this should not be considered the standard process for Microsoft. Security Center Manager Eric Doerr said the security updates do not extend support policies. We recommend that customers upgrade to the latest platforms, he said. About half of all companies have at least a few computers that still run Windows XP. And Microsoft says this week's patches have closed the remaining holes exposed by the release by shadow brokers of exploits developed by the National Security Agency.
The Malwarebytes blog is discussing a couple of new approaches intended to infect Mac OS computers with malware. As with many other such exploits, these are being offered in a way that anyone can use them, malware as a service. One is a backdoor named Mac Spy and a ransomware attack that's being called Mac Ransom. They were first reported by Bleeping Computer. Both had been advertised through Tor websites, claiming them to be the most sophisticated back spyware ransomware ever for free. To obtain the malware, interested parties needed to send an email message to the developer. Malwarebytes says the apps are not particularly advanced. The malware is stored in the DS Stores folder and the FS Store folder. Both of these are hidden folders. The Malwarebytes blog says that they also create a launch agent file for persistence, not at all an original method. The Mac Ransom description says that when its trigger date arrives, the malware encrypts files in the user's home folder and on any connected volumes. It waits three days, though, which is probably long enough that most protective applications will spot it and remove it before it does any damage. According to Malwarebytes, MacSpy is fairly simple spyware which gathers data into temporary files and sends the files periodically back to a Tor command and control server via unencrypted HTTP. The malware takes screenshots every 30 seconds, captures audio from the microphone, photos, contents of the clipboard, browser data, and keystrokes. The keylogger works, though, only if the person using the malware has the Mac administrator's password. Malwarebytes says that although neither program is particularly sophisticated, they both do include some reasonably effective analysis and avoidance features. You can read the full article on the Malwarebytes website, which includes information about who the malware writers are and how to remove an infection. And you can read Spare Parts only on the TechBiter Worldwide website. This week, Security and Ease of Use. J.D. Power says their survey shows we want both, even though they are generally considered to be opposites. And Microsoft is proudly promoting its new Xbox One X, even though it won't be available to buy until November. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.